Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. How would you describe your brand? Is it communicating effectively to the clients that you want to be getting? Kayla Pipko, owner of Docs Design, joins the show to talk about the difference between design and brand. We discuss what it means to be consistent with our branding across all of the avenues that we do and how we are supposed to be communicating effectively through our logo, through our colors, through our fonts, all of that and so much more. Let's get started. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I am the owner and creative director of Docs Design. We are a remote design studio that specializes in branding design and packaging design, and our niche is the pet industry. Um, So by day, I am a designer leading my team as the creative director, and by night, I am a dog mom to three very sassy dachshunds that keep me very busy, (laughs) which is kind of how I got into the pet space face being a dog mom. Um, and yeah, design is just a huge passion of mine. Um, what I've always known I wanted to do. And I'm really happy that I'm able to kind of serve other dog obsessed people like myself, uh, and kind of bring that zone of genius to the pet industry. Yeah. Now, how did you find yourself getting into design? So you said it was something that you've always been passionate about. What's been your journey into that? Yeah. So, um, I've always been artistic. I was never the sports type, like at all, like all my siblings were like super sporty. My parents were, they always were like trying to push me into basketball, but I was always like the art kid. Um, so I always knew that like art was what I wanted to do. Um, but I didn't want to quite be a starving artist. So was trying to figure out how I could make that a career path. Um, and it actually was my high school yearbook class where I started getting introduced into some of the Adobe programs and actually learning like layout design, um, you know, color theory, typography, kind of all the fundamentals of design that I didn't really know at the time were actually designed. And I kind of just had a natural knack for it being an artistic and creative person. Um, And my teacher saw that in me and she had kind of mentioned, you know, graphic design is kind of like this newish field uh, with computers. You should look into it. And so from then on out, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to be a designer. I I have the natural talent for it. And it was something that I actually enjoyed doing. Um, So I went to school. I have uh, my BFA in graphic design. Um, And from there, I was able to kind of do the traditional agency route, which is what I always thought I wanted to do. My like game plan was, okay, I'm going to work in like these top design agencies. I'm going to do all the grunt work. I'm going to work myself up to creative director. Like I'm going to be living in New York. Like that was kind of always the game plan. Um, and then I think like many entrepreneurs, as soon as I got into like the office, the first year out of college, I'm like, wow, this is life. And I am not loving it. Um, just like (laughs) the office environment was not for me. Like I don't thrive in that sort of environment. And I had just gotten my first dog, Finley, who's our first dachshund. Um, and I just hated leaving her alone every day. Like just having her see those puppy dog eyes. I was like, I know this is not the kind of lifestyle I want. So very quickly I was like, okay, 
I don't want to work in an agency. So what can I do? Um, and from there I started kind of freelancing on the side, just as like a creative outlet. And also just to like, kind of pick up some extra money. And I quickly realized that I could take all of my knowledge from working in an agency setting and kind of bring it to smaller businesses that are often overlooked by these big agencies. Um, and like I said, I'm a dog mom. I have three dachshunds. I was very like ingrained in the dog community, um, where I lived. Like I had my pet store and like my vet and my groomer and my dog walker and like went to the dog park with other dog moms. And that kind of just was a natural fit for me. And that's kind of how I came up with the idea of docs design and niching down in the pet industry. That's awesome. And I love how you're able to overlay your, your passions for, for both of those things, design and for the pet care. As, as you worked your way down and niching down into the pet care space, what are some of the unique challenges of design for the pet care that you see as you interact with business owners? Oh, yes, this is a good one. So I think a personal challenge for our business and something that's really important for us is just making sure that um, we don't really like to say we have a style because it's really important when we're designing for a brand that we're designing for the business and designing for their target audience and not just like what's trendy or like what we think is fun and want to do. Um, so I think a, a personal challenge is I think a lot of clients will come to us with something they've seen on Pinterest or something that's like super trendy at the time and want to do that. And it's like our job to educate that when you are designing in that way, that is when your brand quickly goes out of style and might not be resonating with your audience and that you kind of have to flip it on its head and say, you know, we're designing to communicate at the end of the day. That's what your brand is. And we want to make sure we're communicating the right thing, not just what's trendy at the time. Um, so I think that is one thing, not even just in the pet industry, just in general, um, being able to educate our clients that come in. Um, specifically in the pet industry for our team, I think it gets a little bit difficult. Like how many different ways can we illustrate a dog? Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we manage. We always, we always uh, get the brand looking nice and unique for every single thing. But, you know, I'm like, no, no more pause. We're not doing pause. So, you know, kind of coming up with a few more, um, I guess I like to say like metaphors for like the pet industry that isn't just like putting a paw in a logo, like coming up with creative ways that we can kind of um, showcase pet without it being so literal. It's just a creative challenge, I think, for our team, um, you know, to get out of that mind space and really uh, kind of give our clients the best work we can. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you're designing to communicate and I, a lot of business owners can really struggle with that of trying to figure out, I think, A, what are they trying to communicate? Like, is it, how, how do you work through, how do you work with a business owner to get at that level and go, no, what is your business actually about? Yeah. So we kind of have like this little Venn diagram exercise we do internally. Um, and it's, we kind of have to pull, pull the information out of our clients. It's a lot of soul searching our signature branding program. Like it's a lot of like deep questions <laughs> we ask you, um, but kind of like the one side is audience. So that is the most important. Obviously you are targeting a certain type of pet parent um, and that certain type of pet parent will be attracted to certain visuals before they will even read the words on your advertising. Um, so I always like to say like the two examples I always use is like, okay, you have like the suburban dog mom who like is all about family and comfort. And then you have like the edgy, like pet parent who lives in the city and like, 
is a single pet parent living in a high rise. Those are two like very different audiences and like the way you're going to communicate to them is very different. So first you have to kind of start to think about who your ideal audience is um, and dig a little bit deeper than just saying pet parent and actually start to think about like who they are as a person and maybe some of the other brands outside of the pet world that they interact with um, and that resonates with them. That starts to help, you know, get that image of who that person is. Then on the flip side of that, just as important, it's who you are as a brand, like what your brand values are. Um, I, I kind of use the word brand vibe or brand tone. Um, you obviously want to attract your type of people. And like at the end of the day, what is that for your business? Um, I think this is the part where you kind of said it gets hard for clients to kind of drill down to that. Um, we help a little bit with that. Um, you know, we'll get a lot of general words like fun comfort, things like that. And it's like, okay, but what do you do specifically in your business that gives them comfort? And then, you know, we start digging a little deeper and we will get like, oh, well, like our client or like our team is on call 24 seven. Like we're always texting, like we attend our dog's birthday party. Like they'll, you know, they'll start to give us little stories or like little um, testimonials and stuff like that, that their clients have said about them. And I'm like, okay, let's, that makes you unique. Like that is what we're going to focus on for your brand. I'm sure that's hard sometimes. I know it is for me as, as the business yeah. owner to, to separate as, and also to separate my design aesthetic of like things that I like versus what I, what my mm-hmm. clients are going to like. How, how do how do you as a business owner know when to make that decision of like, well, I know I like this, but is that my target audience? Yeah. Because, you know, there's sometimes where if you're looking at a design, you may go, oh, I can't stand that, but I guess my clients like it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's definitely difficult. I mean, I struggle with that even with, like with my own brand. I think anyone who owns a business, it is such a personal thing. Like my business is my baby, as I'm sure your business is your baby. So it's really hard to kind of step out of that and like get out of your own way, which is when like hiring someone or just having like outside eyes can really help yeah. with that. Um, but I do think at like some level, some base level, your business is who you are. Like you started your business and started attracting certain people because you might not know it, but maybe it's because of the way you talk. Maybe it's the language you use. Like maybe it's your training method. Like maybe it's just like you being super personable. Like there is a reason why. Um, so I like to kind of, you know, turn to your audience for that, especially if you have clients that have been clients for a long time, maybe like ask them like, okay, what was it initially that wanted, um, you to work with me. And if they're like, Oh, you were just so friendly. You were so warm. You were so comforting. It's like, okay, okay. I keep hearing these words over and over again for my audience. Now, how can I visually communicate this to them before they even get to know me? Because those couple of clients that have been with you from the beginning, like I'm sure they like knew you at first or they got to know you before they started getting really invested. And with branding, you're wanting to communicate that within three seconds. So being able to kind of figure out what it was that drawn your clients to you and then being able to like echo that back in the way is really when the brand starts to be successful. Yeah, I love that way that you put it of like your clients are attracted to you for a reason. So how do how do you communicate you to other people who don't know you already or have an existing relationship? Yeah, it's kind of like a mind meld of the two little Star Trek reference, if we have any Star Trek friends listening, um, but it's kind of like a mind meld of the two. I think a lot of people get really hung up on the deliverables, like they'll like, like can't get out of their way when it comes to like picking colors because they're like blue, blue. I like blue, but do my clients yeah. like blue? It's like, 
every visual decision you're making has like a deeper meaning to it. So sometimes when you like flip on its head and think about it in a different way of like, okay, I'm not just talking about blue. I'm talking about like color evokes emotions. So what kind of emotion am I trying to give out? You know, when you start thinking about it that way, I think it becomes a little easier to get out of your own way and to make some visual decisions that just aren't based on personal preference. Um, but like I said, a lot of the times the two do overlap just because naturally being a small business owner, you are like a huge part of your business. Well, and you touched on there of, of how I feel like some of that can be very overwhelming going through that process. Like if you've ever pulled up the hex codes of of colors and just kind of ticked over one, 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 and, and seen just the huge variability of it (laughs) and gone, well, I don't, I don't know like what this is going to do for me. And what you're kind of saying here is just like, no, like take a step back, breathe, and really start thinking mm-hmm. about the clients and these connections that we can, and, and emotions too, that you can start evoking with these elements that we're putting into yeah. this process. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I I see um, when people are trying to DIY their brand is they obviously get really excited and want to get right into those deliverables like the colors. But like you said, if you're just kind of going in to the deep end right away with no sort of foundation, it does become very overwhelming. But when you do some of that groundwork beforehand, like I was just saying with audience tone and stuff like that, it really helps guide those visual decisions and makes them a little less overwhelming. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Susan from The Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. We've used a few terms here back and forth here of design and brand. And so I'd love to get your perspective on what the difference is between those when we're thinking of it in a, in a business context. Yeah. So I would say design is like the vessel for the brand. So the brand is not just the visuals. Visuals is one piece of it. And that's like the piece that our team focuses on. Um, But your brand is also the language you use, like your tone of voice, your copywriting, um, your values, your pillars, like um, your give back programs. Your brand is really like your personality of your business. And then the design is like the clothes you're wearing to kind of put it in a metaphor. Um, So like when you look at someone, you can kind of probably make a pretty good judgment on their personality based on what they're wearing. And, you know, they're maybe trying to um, communicate something through their style, which that's what design is to your business. You're trying to communicate a certain aesthetic. You're trying to communicate a certain feeling. Um, But then when you also talk to that person and get to know them the way they're talking, the language they're using, maybe their body movements, just like the way they're interacting, you also start to draw conclusions about that. And then that's like the full person would be the brand to kind of put it in a metaphor. Um, so yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. It does. I think you used a, a word earlier that I really liked about kind of the, the vibe. What kind of vibe do you get off? Get, yeah. uh, give off? And, and I think yeah. that's something that we can all connect with of like just visually seeing something. We start, you know, it, it's as terrible as it is, a lot of times that vibe, we start making assumptions about what that means and what they stand for and all mm-hmm. this stuff in. And that's, I think, you know, what you're saying here is 
why that design language is so important because people will be looking and will be making assumptions, but are they the right assumptions about who you are and what your business is? Exactly. They definitely, yeah, I always tell my team, you, um, us designers, we definitely judge a book by its cover. Like they say, <laughs> they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but people do, they judge it. They judge a business by their brand and they, it's like I said, it takes three seconds for them to make assumptions about your brand, just based on some of these visual cues you're giving them. Um, yeah, especially now in today's age, I think I'm also just seeing like the pet industry is starting to take it more seriously and watching a lot of these brands who have done the work up front grow a little bit faster than those who haven't. So it's definitely important. Right. And as you, you know, you said like, well, that's the whole point of doing a design and having a brand is that it, you're, you're, you're trying to make people make the proper assumptions, like in that you're trying to communicate that as effectively as mm-hmm. you can. And so when we're thinking about design, how, how, how does a good design, a good branding, how does that make our business better? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I think if your brand is 100% successful, you kind of just hit that <clears throat> on the, the nail on the head there that it's giving your customers who you are just by looking like, say, at a billboard without even reading it based on the fonts you have, based on the colors you have, based on the imagery you're using. I mean, you're seeing all that before you're even reading the billboard before you're even reading the social media ad. So when you are able to accurately communicate what you're trying to before they've even read words, that is when a design is really successful and a brand is really successful. And I kind of just touched on what some of those parts and pieces are. There's definitely a lot more of them, but um, you know, taking typography into consideration, your color palette, the images you're using, the textures, patterns, brand elements, all of that stuff working together in unison um, to give that message across very quickly is when um, the design is successful for the brand. Yeah. And you, you just laid out a lot of pieces there of, of texture and typography. Yeah. Like if you've ever gone to the website, a website and just looked at typography, like you will go crazy in a mere matter of seconds trying to figure out what, yep. which, you know, which one, does that one evoke the right emotions? But I think, again, I think just backing way up and taking this big holistic approach and, and really slowing down in that process and, and, and putting in that thought and effort and, you know, partnering with somebody if that's what you have to do but not really putting the cart before mm-hmm. the horse, right? Because a lot of us do run down yeah. into the deep end and go, well, I don't know if I like Ariel or if I like Times New Roman or if I like, you know, you know, Garamond or whatever and figuring out <laughs> those, those kind of elements. Yeah, elements. yeah. Well, you know, I also tell my clients who are always somewhat on the fence with like hiring a professional or whatever. It's like at the end of the day, like for, are you going to sit there and try to learn how to do taxes or are you going to hire an accountant? Like at the end of the day, your time is more valuable. I mean, designers, especially professionals, like they, like our team all has degrees in design. And I think between the four of us, we've taken like 13 typography classes. Like there's a reason like we're able to pick that stuff so quickly. It's because that's what we live and breathe every day. So I'm like, don't get frustrated. It's okay that you can't figure this out in two seconds. Like I'm not an accountant. I can't figure out my taxes in two seconds, you know? So I think everyone gets, a, like you said, they go in the deep end and they get frustrated really quickly when um, it's just because, you know, it takes experience, but also it takes that more holistic approach to it and not getting so caught up in the details and getting overwhelmed. Right. Because the devil is in the details and you can go way yes. off, you know, into areas. And like you said, like, you as the business owner, like we have to recognize where our strengths and where our weaknesses are and invest appropriately mm-hmm. in both time and in money 
it to, to make things happen, right? And so like many many people go look at a design, and I think it design and and uh, like dance and sports and other athletic stuff like the people who make it look really easy are the ones who do it, making it working the hardest. And so you can look at a design and go, well, that's not hard. Like I can do that. But then you sit down and try and take on all these elements into account and you can get way in over your head and then never actually make yeah. something out of it. So recognize where those strengths and weaknesses are as a business owner, and then, you know, be okay handing it off and, and helping that process. Yes, definitely. So for you and your team, when you're when you're working through this process, when you're making a design and you're doing a rebrand of somebody, how do you know when it's done? How do you know whenever you put the stamp of approval of it on it and it's ready to ship? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, so we have like a pretty set formula that we use for our brands. And we kind of have like a checklist of like the parts and pieces. We call it the visual toolkit. That's kind of what we've coined. Um, so for us, it's really important not to just give a client a brand and be like, bye, see ya. And like not have them have any idea how to use it. So for us, we think of our visual brand that we give them as, like I said, a toolkit. We give you the tools to be able to successfully implement it on your own and keep growing it and keep you know, refreshing it. Um, So in some sense, a brand is never really done. It's always growing. It's always evolving. Mm. But when we know a brand is done and we are ready to hand it off is when all of those toolkit pieces are met. Um, So I kind of touched on some of them already. Um, Obviously, logo, important part. That's always the thing that people are coming to us asking for. Um, But they don't realize that a brand is more than a logo. We say it all the time, but you know, it's all these other pieces. Um, So the logo is definitely a piece of it. Um, But brand colors, which I think is just as, if not more important, Um, the brand typography, image style. um, So like what type of images are you posting on social media? Like what is the overall vibe of that? Um, And then we have what we call brand elements. Um, So with that, we do an icon illustration set for our clients. So kind of give them an illustration or icon style. Um, And then we'll do a brand pattern and then just like little um, kind of designer touches of other little illustration elements. Um, So once we're able to Kind of knock all of that out. And our process is very collaborative with our, our clients. So, you know, before we even get to that point, we're already on the same page of like what we're going to be doing. Um, but once we're able to kind of give that all to them, get the stamp of approval from the client, we're able to export all those tools, lay it out in a document for them to be able to implement on their own. And that's kind of one of the stamp of approval of, okay, this brand framework and brand is done for them to use. Um, Now, like I said, to some sense, a brand is always growing and evolving. I mean, we have clients that are part of our design lab, which is how we support clients on an ongoing basis um, that come back each quarter. And maybe they need new illustrations because they're launching a holiday line, or maybe they're launching a new product and they need a few new colors for like the different flavors of the label. So at some sense, a brand is always growing, but that foundation and that toolkit we create is so strong that it is very easy to build on top of that and still have things look on brand. Yeah, and I love how you say that. A brand is always going to be in constant flux because there's the things that we're trying to communicate about our brand, and then there's the meaning that we are imbuing into our brand, right? Like, one of the things mm-hmm. that I think about a lot is the Nike swoosh, right? Like, it it inherently mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. It We know it means something because Nike has told us that it means something and it represents this stuff. So there's this, there's this larger picture that we as the business get to do, right? We get to take this 
and then help that communicate better to our clients through how we use it. The, you know, you, you touched on the image style uh, of, you know, kind of images that we're using. And it just becomes this big holistic approach to communicating and giving meaning to this stuff that we are creating and using. Yeah. And that's what a brand, I mean, if you keep it consistent and you really stick to that and keep it going, that's when brands are really successful and can do some really fun and cool stuff. Like you said, the Nike swoosh is so iconic. They don't even have to have the words Nike next to it anymore. Um, So, you know, you can really start to grow your brand in that way where it's so instantly recognizable just by like the colors and the the images and everything like that. And that is when a brand really kind of has its own, I think. Well, and you touched on being consistent with branding. And I know that is something that a lot of people really struggle with of make hey they get their colors set oh, up yes. and they get these textures <laughs> and they get these elements they get some image guidance and then four months down the road the wheels have fallen off the cart and they're looking up going what on earth am I doing so how, how do how do mm-hmm. we keep our branding consistent with all of the posts that we're having to do with all of the, the images that we're having to, mm-hmm. to create uh, over time Yes. So I am a huge proponent of Canva. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I think Canva has its time and place. I don't think you should be designing your logo in Canva. But to keep your brand in order, Canva's great. They have a whole section called your Canva brand kit where you can put in your brand colors, put in your brand fonts, put in your brand logos. You can even um, create like a team for your brand, have different templates that will automatically change out the colors and the fonts to match. It's just like a really nice system Mm -hmm. that isn't super expensive and it's super accessible. It's not like Adobe where you need to learn. It's not a huge learning curve. And it, you know, it's a good tool for those who are trying to DIY it themselves and everything is right there and consistent for you. Um, I think just having a central location like that, I think I see where people start to like spin and the wheels fall off is where it's like not written down anywhere or like they know their colors, but they're kind of guessing every time. I think even just like setting up that brand kit is insanely helpful because it will be the exact shade of blue every single time. It will be the exact font you're using every single time. Um, And you can get really, really deep with that. Or even just having colors and fonts, I think, is like a really great first step. When it comes to assessing our current design language, our current brand, what are some signs that it needs changing and that it might not necessarily be as working as effectively as we need it to? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I so there's like a rule in interior design. It's like the ten year rule, where every ten years you're supposed to refresh your interiors because things are probably out of trend or just innately, you know, every couple of years things go. So I like to kind of use that rule of thumb for brand as well. Maybe even five years, um, just kind of reassessing um, and being like, okay, is this dated? Like clearly we've advanced technology wise, like maybe my client base has grown, like the trends of dogs have changed. Um, I mean, ideally, like if you could do an audit even every year, that would be great. But in terms of like actually changing or refreshing, I'd say like the five to 10 year mark. Um, But in terms of like, when is it not working anymore? That's such a good question because I don't really have a direct answer for that. And I would say that I would lean on my audience for that. Um, You know, if you're starting to see a drop off, if you're just starting to see that like your engagement's down or something isn't resonating, something isn't clicking, you know, don't be afraid to ask your audience, you know, like, hey guys, or, you know, do a little bit of market research, maybe run two different ads with two different colors, two different sort of images, which one gets the most engagement 
engagement and gets the most type of people to your event or gets booking the type of people that you want, you know, doing some stuff like that will really help kind of be like, okay, like maybe it's because I'm like an all black and white brand. And like, I'm trying to like get millennials in and clearly they're not resonating with that. And it's like too stark for them. You know, there's a lot of variables that play of like what it could be, but I definitely think leaning on your audience and like just kind of doing some of that research is super helpful instead of just guessing and being like, well, is this the colors? Is it the font? I don't know. I'm going to be in Canva and kind of just messing around. Like educated decisions are good decisions. Right. Well, and you mentioned a, an audit there. So what does a brand audit consist of? Ooh, that's good. So I, when I'm doing an audit of a brand, we break it down because we are focused on just the visuals. So I guess I will give you from a visual side of things. We break it down using that formula that I just talked about. So, you know, I will go through and I'll be like, okay, do they have a logo? Yes. Do they have multiple versions of the logo or do they just have one logo that they're using on everything? Oh, they only have one logo. Okay. Is the logo super horizontal and like really hard to get in a vertical format? Yes. Okay. So they need multiple logos. Mm. Is the logo currently communicating what they do as a business in a successful way? Is it currently, you know, they told me that their audience was this, but I'm seeing that like on their Instagram, the majority of people who are following them mm. are this, you know, kind of going down like this. Then we move on to the colors. Do they have a brand color palette? Yes. No. Is it consistent? Yes. No. How many colors are in the palette? You know, just kind of going down the list like that. Um, brand fonts. And then usually I would say like 80% of the brands that come to us really only have those three pieces. They don't really have the brand illustration pattern, textures, like all of that stuff to begin with. Um, you know, they'll... I can see a lot of times when clients are like using Canva or something like that, there's certain elements they're gravitating towards or like using again and again. So they're kind of doing it without even realize that they're doing it. And then I'm able to kind of, you know, communicate back to them like, okay, well, I see in Canva that you're using like a lot of florals and that you like keep using this template. Like, is there a reason for that? Oh, I was trying to communicate that like our dog treats are all natural ingredients and I really wanted to, I'm like, okay, okay, let's dive a little deeper there, you know? (laughs) So I feel like people don't give themselves enough credit. Mm. Like if you look at what you're doing, there's probably a reason you're doing it. And if you just maybe think a little bit more on that and then start auditing yourself and being like, what pieces are missing. And like, if I'm already doing stuff um, that I don't really know I'm doing, why am I doing that? And can I do that in a more... um, strategic way where it's not kind of just like willy-nilly like can i double down on that wanted to touch on images for a little bit and the role those play in our brands because mm-hmm. i uh, among all of the other stuff <laughs> that goes into design language yeah. and branding i think images can really confuse us because isn't it yeah. just an image right like how do i how do i bring my brand into an image that i'm posting on social media yeah, no, it is not just an image. I mean, at the end of the day, there is like certain, like if you're posting an image of a client, like I tell my clients, don't like overcomplicate it. Like if it's a picture of a happy dog you're walking, you can post it. Like it's okay. You don't have to like overcomplicate it. I think where the imagery comes into play is like in the advertisement side of things. Um, so if you are doing a billboard, if you're running an ad in a newspaper, if you're running a social media ad, like if you have an about postcard you're giving out, 
you know, those sort of touch points that are more branded and represent the brand. I think that is where the imagery is a little bit more important. I am personally not a huge proponent of like an overly um, done Instagram feed. I like it a little bit more organic and not so planned. Um, But when it comes to like those branded pieces, the imagery that you're picking, yeah, absolutely makes a difference. Um, If you are in an urban setting and you are primarily targeting like single millennial pet parents, like you're not going to want like a picture of a dog running on a farm. Like, you know, just like stuff like that is like just having like a more like, um, lifestyle photography with like a cityscape in the back can start to like have someone imagine like, Oh, like I live in that area. Like that's like kind of, you know, familiar to me. Like this image is resonating with me or on the flip side of that. Like if you are trying to communicate, like, no, like we're, we do pack walks. We're like an outdoorsy, like hiking brand, like having the dogs out in nature, like being playful with it, nice, soft lighting, you know, stuff like that um, is really important. And not just like grabbing the first like overly posed photo you see on ISOC that's like on a white background because that's not really going to do it for anyone, you know? <laughs> right. And, you know, I love how you touched there. Of it's the it's the content of the photo because I know my mind goes immediately to, well, you know, I know I don't know if I'm going to be able to get my brand colors in this photo every single time. Yeah. Right? I mean, bonus point, bonus points if you yeah. can. Like I've seen a few of my clients who like buy like their brand color leashes and bananas and we'll do a photo shoot. Like that's awesome. Like the more you can do that and put the special touches, the better. Mm-hmm. But like if you're just starting, like start with content. That's a pretty easy one to to um, narrow it down, I think. Thinking about design, I, I know many, many listeners don't have a background in design. So I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure how to ask this, but maybe give us some some design language that we can use to talk about design more effectively when we're trying to communicate Ooh. what we're working with and what we want. Ooh, okay. This is so good. I have so many. Um I think two big ones that are like design like terms that not a lot of people know and you know because everyone at some level knows like color fonts everything yeah. like that but I think where I see a lot of people they start getting frustrated is like they have all that and then they go to start to lay something out and it doesn't look like how it would look if a designer did it and they're like okay why I have my colors I have my fonts I have the image like why isn't it looking like the way it's supposed to be yeah. looking um, and so two of the things that designers do and that is like design terms the first one is called hierarchy um so hierarchy is exactly what you think it is it is like the level of importance of elements on a page um so whenever you're laying out a social media post or laying out your website like the most important thing should be the biggest the second thing you want to look at, the second biggest, and so forth and so on. And there's a bunch of different visual ways you could do hierarchy, like um, s- scale is one, proximity of where things are and where someone's looking. Um, so, so that's one. If something's all the same size and like if it's all big, the eyes don't really know where it is to look first. Um, so hierarchy is like definitely a tip that not a lot of people know about unless you're really a designer. Um, and it really helps kind of guide your users, especially when it comes to websites, um, read through the content and get through it. 
Um, and kind of the second part of that is called white space. Um, so white space is also what designers use as kind of breathing room in the design, um, whether that is a print piece or website. Um, it's exactly what you think. It doesn't necessarily have to be white. It could be like a colored background you're using, but giving like your text or giving your elements some breathing room when you're laying them out. I think I see a lot of people who don't have a design background. They want to put as much content as they possibly can on everything. Like they want to put like packaging design, especially I have clients come to me and they want to put like every single badge possible. And I'm like, no, this is really detracting from the design because you need some breathing room or some white space, you know, and you know, using hierarchy to get that important message across. Um, again, it's all about communicating. I think those two pieces really help with the communication aspect of design for sure. Yeah, I love how you mentioned white space. I think if someone's listening now and going, well, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced that. You definitely have when you've been to a conference and somebody has a PowerPoint slide and it is just jam-packed and there's no room for anything else. It's just all 14-point font, Times New Roman yeah. from top to bottom. And it's hard to take that whole thing in at the same at once. And what you're saying is is not to be afraid of that space, and that actually that actually yes. allows more information to be transferred in a faster manner because there's not it's just not so assaulting on the eyes. Yes, white space is a good thing. I think a lot of people get scared. They're like, is it too blank? Or like, is it? And I think the the name is a little misleading because it's not necessarily like has to be white. Like you can have a colored background, but just like, yes, breathing room is a good thing. It allows information to be digested faster. Yeah, absolutely. And And so putting those two things together, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who maybe is just starting out on this process and, and wants to try and go it alone? Ooh, that's good. I think editing is a really important part of design. Um, I think, like I said, everyone wants to put everything in the kitchen sink. And I don't like to tell people not to do that because I think it's good to get all your ideas out. So get them all out and then just like take a step back go away from it for a little bit, come back to it and just edit, edit, Mm. edit. I think that that is what really will lead to any really successful design, whether that's like you're making a social media graphic or you're making a t-shirt for your employees to wear. Like, do you really need the logo on the front and the back and the art? You know, like everyone's first, I feel like reaction is to put like as much into it as they can, which there is like, you can get some really creative ideas when you do that. But I think the key to like being good at design, like trying to do it yourself is to have that editing eye and to really like go back to your foundation of your brand and ask yourself like, okay, is this resonating with my audience? Is this my brand vibe? Like, is there too much stuff on here? Like, what do I need to do to edit this to make it the best that it can be? And that self-editing is really, really hard to do, especially as we we (laughs) mentioned, like this is, this design is supposed to reflect who we are and communicate our beliefs, our feelings, our emotions, the, the goals that we have and what we want people to take away. And it, you can stare at something and go, well, I, every, absolutely everything is important <laughs> on this. So how do, yeah. how do you work through that editing process to make it productive and still communicate the message that you want? Yeah. So I like to think of it as like you have someone in like the elevator pitch, like you have someone in the elevator for three seconds. Like what's going to be, what are you going to tell them in that three seconds? Like, cause you really like whether it's packaging design, website, people's attention spans are short. I mean, I'm sure we all know that. So you have three seconds to communicate. So like in that three seconds, what is the message you want to get across? Like, do you really need to get across that you're, you know, 
patent pending made in the USA, like all these other, like stuff like that. It's like, eh, that's probably like stuff that's really important to you and like secondary information. But like, what is the main short elevator pitch you want to get across? And is that being the main thing that's across in this design? Yeah. And really just boiling it down to some bullet points, at least in your mind or getting those written down in at each stage, yeah. at each stage, looking at it going, okay, do I still have these essentials included in here? Do I still have these essentials included in here? And I, you know, you mentioned take some time away, step back, breathe, go sleep, go eat, you know, <laughs> go, go, go yeah. give you some space to, to process that. Yeah. And some kind of, I guess, some tips I can give people is, um, so two things. When I see someone doing like a social media graphic and they want to like shove a bunch of stuff in there, I'm like, okay, you have a caption to work with. So my, my first thing I'm like is, okay, like, can some of this stuff be put in the caption? Like, if you want to get across the main thing, say you're having an event, like really the important thing is like, what's the event? When is it? That's really all you need to put in there and then put all the other information like where to park, what time in the caption. So for social media, that's usually the second place I'll put the information. For print and stuff like that, I think it's really important to have a call to action, you know, for more information or for blah, 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 go on our website, follow us. Like you don't have to have every single thing on that postcard. You can lead people to a secondary spot that goes more into the information. And if they go there, you already know that they're a pretty qualified lead and that they're interested. Um, So I think giving people like a path to be able to do that with your information makes design successful too. Well, and I love how you touched on the difference between digital and, and print media because I feel yeah. like I know I get stuck in the habit of designing everything as if it were going to be printed. Does the same design language for branding translate from print to digital? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yes and no. I think the fundamentals are the same. Um, I don't think like a postcard or social media post should have like a ton of stuff on it. Um, But where digital has a leg up on print is it's interactive. So you have obviously with Instagram, for example, you have the option to do like an Instagram carousel where you could do like multiple things and make it more more interactive and have fun with it. You can lead people to a landing page that has videos, infographics, more information. Um, So when it comes to digital things, I think the more you can think about it in an interactive, like you're telling people a story, you're leading them through this experience online. Um, and you have, you know, you can do external links, you could do things like that. Um, I think that's where digital has the leg up on print. Um, whereas in print, you really just have to like say all the things. There's no way, like creative ways you can really get around that. That's why I like to boil down the print to like the absolute essentials and then lead someone into a digital space where you can kind of curate that experience a little bit more thoughtfully. Yeah, lean into those strengths and recognize those weaknesses up front and not try and force anything upon those that's actually going to hurt the experience of the user or the client that's trying to get in contact with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like most people just want to know like where they can find your hours and how they can book you. Like they don't want to know, like they don't want to know all these things. And like if they do, I feel like the website and the digital platform is the place to do that because it's, you know, it's a little bit of a different user and like they're already there. Like that's the time and place to do it. But if you're trying to get someone's attention quickly, that is not the time place to do it. So you want to, like I said, do the most absolute essential of communicating that you can. Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches our client or employees. 
All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They will be releasing an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards throughout the rest of this year that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, get well wishes, and welcome new or even rescued pets. They also have a few special gifts options in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client. If you're interested, register for a free account and receive discounted package pricing rather than pay consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchases. Learn more and register by going to petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS and enter the referral code PSC at registration. You will be given a unique coupon code to save $2 off of any packages you send in your first 90 days. As you interact with businesses and talk with the owners and, and do your, 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 your research of the pet care space, what are things that more people should be doing with their design, with their brand that they are not currently doing? That's a good one. Um, Brand-wise, I think more and more people are starting to realize this, but still kind of at a slower rate um, is, you know, getting in front of the camera, like introducing yourself. People do want to know like there's a human behind the brand um, and they want to get to know you. Um, So I think on like social media specifically, like if I follow a brand and like they're not doing Instagram stories or like I'm not really ever seeing like who the owner is, like that kind of somewhat like even just being a dog mom could be a red flag to me. Like, okay, well, who's this person taking care of my animal then? You know, so I think the more that or like even just having an about page on your website with like a picture of you on it. Like people want to know that there is a person there. I see so many websites that like don't, they'll have an about page, but there's like no picture of them or the team. Um, so I think adding those little personal touches like that, um, definitely make a difference. Um, and then also I think specifically in the pet space, what I have seen, um, is, people want to take it so seriously because you are pet professionals. Yes. You're taking care of animals. It's very important that you give across that sense of profession professionalism. Um, but don't be afraid to like have some personality with your brand. Like those brands that have the personality and like kind of take a different approach are the ones I think that stand out and, and attract their people. Um, you know, like have fun with it. Like if that's the type of person you are, I think people are so scared and they're like, Oh, it's gotta be like red and blue and have paw prints. Cause I'm in the pet space. And like, that's the standard. <laughs> and it's like, gotta look like that. Like, no, you can like use pink if that's your thing. And like, you want to, you know, c- communicate and get mostly like, um, you know, millennial pet parents, like millennial pink's all the rage right now, you know, like definitely have fun with it and go outside of the box when it comes to your branding. Don't feel like you have to be like so rigid and like fit into like this industry standard, because I think the industry standard is breaking that industry standard nowadays and kind of being different and having some personality to your brand. Yeah, no, that's that's so huge. I know. I just you know, speaking from from my perspective, it is really hard to break out of that. Okay, well, I have a dog, I have a cat. There's a paw print and a heart. I think I'm good to go, right? But <laughs> but, yeah. but but playing with those, using different shapes, putting them in different combinations, mm-hmm. um, and then not being afraid, as you said, not being afraid to put you into that logo. Uh, you, know, you mentioned get in front of the camera yeah. and put yourself in the logo, and and I think where that starts with is just being comfortable with ourselves and knowing ourselves, yeah. right? And and stepping in confidence and, and surety about what we want to communicate about us. And that can be really, really daunting. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. I know when I first started my business, I was like, I don't even know like what to say. Like, I don't even know if people want to hear me talk. And I make it a point now, like, I'm sure if you follow me on Instagram, you see like every other day, at least I get on my Instagram stories and just talk. Like, even if it's <laughs> not something I just, cause people want to, you'd be surprised people are following you. They want to know what's going on. Like they want to know in like, you know, sometimes my personal life blends over with my business, especially with my dogs, because that's like such a big part of my brand. Like people want to like see pictures of my dogs and like know what's going on and stuff like that. So like that is an easy place to start because we are clearly all prep professionals and are all clearly passionate about pets. So like, don't feel like you have to get on there and talk about yourself. Like maybe get on there and like talk about what you did with your dog that day or like try to tie it back into like how you're a pet professional. Like, oh, I can't believe it. My dog, we were walking, but because of this and this, you know, like framing it like that, I think and making it a personal story helps. It does. Because as you said, like that, that allows people to connect with better. And then you are talking about something that you are an expert on you, right. And your business and (laughs) the things that you are interested in. And yeah, it might not always be directly related to the business, but it's things that Mm -hmm. you're doing to connect with others and tell that story. And that, what I see is that becomes part of this whole brand. As we mentioned, the brand is this big thing. It's what people see. It's what people connect with. And it's, you said earlier, it's the vessel, you know, part of that vessel is through the design language and the design being used, but you're building these expectations that people have of you and you're building this face-to-face uh, connection that people are able to get before they even walk through your door or before they even call you. And I, the number of people that we get connected with that say, I stalked your social media for about six months and I feel like I already know you guys yeah. uh, and I want you to take care of my <laughs> my dog. Like, Yeah, especially like I can, so I'm a millennial, so I can speak for, well, not for all millennials, but like that is the first place I go before I even like consider going to a new hair place, going like any place. Instagram or like any social media is the first place I go. I'm like, can I find out who owns this business? What are they like? Like, let me tap. Let me see like, you know, their vibe. Are they going to like, am I going to vibe with them? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's important. You definitely want to, um, like you said, like people want to get to know you before they actually get to know you. Which again is the entire point of the things that we've been talking about is part of that is done through the design language. Part of that is done through the logo, through the colors, through the fonts. And then there's this other part of, bringing ourselves to the table and using ourselves to talk about the brand, talk about things that we're passionate about. And that whole thing is what people Mm -hmm. are connecting with and they're going to know you. And that's what you want. That can be scary sometimes because you, Oh, what if I, you know, say the wrong thing or what if somebody doesn't like what they see or what if, and, and we can get caught up in our heads sometimes about what we're putting out there. But when we do that, we're actually connecting with the people that we want to be connected with and that we want to be working with as, as exactly. clients in this business. Exactly. I was going to say, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, like I, even me, like I was like, oh, but you know, at the end of the day, like if that person doesn't like you, you probably don't want to work with them anyways, <laughs> because that is the beauty of owning your own business is you get to pick the people that you want to work with. Um, but kind of on that note, just some tips, because I do have some clients that are like, you know, like Kayla, I'm not 100% comfortable being in front of the camera. And like, sure. I get it. Some people aren't. Um, and you know, some ways around that, um, I, I've had some clients, you can still bring your personality to the table without 
without getting in front of the camera. And um, I think one of the fun ways I've seen our clients do it is actually like using their dogs as like the mascot mm-hmm. and like doing like the video of their dog and like doing like the voiceover, like where they're like showing their dog, like doing different stuff, but they're like still the voice, like voicing like whatever story it was they wanted to tell a day. So there is mm-hmm. other like creative ways you can get around it. And again, that kind of goes back to like thinking outside the box and like, it's okay to break industry standard. I just wanted to kind of put that tip out because I do like sympathize that not everyone is like 100% comfortable getting in front of the camera, but like, as long as you can make your personality show through and like, you know, can give some of that behind the scenes, there's different ways you can do it. I do think it's important. It is to make sure that you're connecting with the people that you want to be working with. And you, you really, you, you said it well, there was like, that's one of the amazing things that we have as business owners is that we get to work with the people that we want to work with and, and how we find those people is through these languages, through this branding that we go through so that we're connecting with them at at a very you know basic fundamental level where they're like, I like that vibe. Mm-hmm. I get what that person's putting out there and I, I want I want them to take care of my pet. Yeah, definitely. Kayla, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation and the the tips that you've given about design and the importance of having a solid brand that is communicating the things that we need to be communicating to our clients. But I know as <laughs> this is not a college course and there's a whole lot more involved in this. Oh, yes. um, if people want to get connected, pick your brain and learn more about the importance of design and branding in their business, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So the best way would be first our free Facebook group. Um, so our free group is called Design Support for Small Businesses. And I'm sure it will probably be linked in the show notes. Um, but that is a free group for anyone. Um, and in there, every single Wednesday, we have what is called our design school. Um, so that is an open forum where we allow anyone to post any design questions they may have. Um, if you're working on a graphic and want our feedback, um, if you're going through a rebrand with another designer and you just want a second set of eyes, um, pretty much you can post in that open forum. And by end of the day, someone from our team will get back to you and answer your question to the best of our ability. Um, It's also just a really fun group full of a lot of um, our clients and a lot of pet professionals. Um, We do monthly trainings in there, um, post a lot of Canva tips. Um, We also post our freebies every single month, um, which are social media graphics, our team designs for anyone in the group to use. Um, and then the other great place to follow us would be Instagram. Um, our username is at docs.dox.design. And on there is where you can kind of follow along behind the scenes. Like I said, I get on Instagram stories a lot. Um, so you will see a lot of my face and we do a lot of like the process of our brand. We will sneak peek from sketches to full brand reveals of the clients we're working with. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Instagram, Facebook would be the two best places. And then of course our website, which is dox.design. Um, and that is where you can find all the information on our team and kind of all the services we offer. I love that design domain. That is really cool. And I'm really glad that you guys have that. Yes. <laughs> it, it trips some people up sometime, but yes, dot design, not dot com, dot design. They're definitely really fun, but sometimes they get a little tricky. That's true. And I will have, as you mentioned, all of those links in the show notes and on our website so listeners can get connected immediately and not have to worry about putting in the wrong thing. So, Kayla, again, awesome. Kayla, this, again, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I know this was a crash course in design, branding, and then how to use that in our everyday business operations. But I really did have a few big takeaways from this. And the first one was just the sheer importance of design in 
pet care and as a pet professional. That if our clients are making assumptions about us and our business, they need to be the right assumptions. And we can communicate that through the design language that we choose and how our brand is fitting in with who we are as the business owner. And I really agree with Kayla that just getting in front of the camera will do huge things for your business. Not only is it a better way to get connected with clients and potential clients, because remember, they're out there stalking you, but but in a good way. It helps us with that. It also helps us be more comfortable with who we are. And when we are comfortable with who we are as a business owner, the brand, the language, the design all flows from that. And so if you post a video this week or you go live on a social media platform, tag us. We would love to see you and get to know you more and hear about your business and everything that you're sharing. And if you don't usually post videos or you don't usually go live, I guess consider this a challenge to try and do that at least one time this week to introduce something about your business, talk about a service, or just give a little bit about your background and your history getting into pet care. We want to thank our sponsors, Timed Pet and Pet Perennials, for making today's show possible. And thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. And we're so thankful for you and for the support that you give the show. We'll be back again soon. <laughs>